I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Consumers are different today than they were last year or even last week. Tastes constantly change. And if there's one thing marketers are frequently reminded of, it's that there is no secret recipe to understand consumer trends in the marketplace. All you can do is look at the data. And what it says these days is that consumers are more focused on brands' values than they ever have been. They want to see transparency and have trust in the brands they buy from. As a result, companies like Vital Farms are at the forefront of many consumers' minds. There's a general movement towards people wanting to eat real food and know where it comes from and trust that source. And so that's very much the mindset that we focus on, less so a demographic, but more about a mindset of people that are willing to pay a premium for products that they believe in and trust, that are looking for brands that have values similar to their own. Scott Marcus is the CMO of Vital Farms, a company that prides itself on bringing ethical food to the table while being honest with customers about how that happens. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Scott explains why Vital Farms' traceability program is helping the company reach these value-focused consumers, and he explains how to meet customers throughout the buying journey. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey, marketers. Today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever, and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy, and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every dash buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by a special guest. Scott, how are you? Doing terrific, Ian. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. Excited to chat about marketing at Vital Farms today and, and your background in marketing. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing in the first place? I have been a lifelong marketer. Um, when I was a, a kid, I was selling rocks and seashells to my neighbors until I got in trouble for doing that. I created a baseball card business when I was in junior high school and was bringing in a couple hundred bucks a week um, in my backpack um, until I got in trouble for doing that. But I guess that's uh, the beginning of it all. I, I always had a passion for bringing products to market, meeting consumers' needs, I guess, um, and a little bit of, frankly, showmanship in terms of marketing brands and uh, putting them either on TV or getting them into people's refrigerators and lives. And so flash forward to today, tell us what it means to be CMO of Vital Farms. Yeah, Vital Farms is, is a really special place to be. I started my marketing career after business school at, at Kraft, which became Mondelez, and uh, cut my teeth on some really large brands, learning the ropes of not just marketing, but holistic brand management. And so after 11 years, coming down to Vital Farms gave me an opportunity to take everything that I had learned and really create a, a new brand that had not been known. We didn't have a marketing discipline or marketing team to speak of at that time. And so uh, it began a journey of creating something that I knew had a great mission um, that, that was meeting consumers' needs from a, an ethical food production perspective. And it was just a matter of building out a, a team and a marketing plan to start getting some, some traction and scale. 
And so for our listeners who don't know, can you share a little bit more about Vital Farms? Absolutely. Vital Farms is an ethical food company focused primarily on shell eggs and butter today. Our founder, Matt O'Hare, started the company back in 2007 uh, with a mission to bring ethical food to the table. And what he wanted to prove was that you can produce food ethically, meaning treating the animals well, caring for the land, caring for your stakeholders, including your farmers, and do that at scale. It wasn't something that you just had to do in a, in a small backyard or, or small farm setting and bring it to the local farmer's market. This was something that he believed that, that we should be able to replicate and make, make national, if not beyond that. And so that's how Vital Farms began. And, and frankly, we are along that journey today. We are now sold in 16,000 stores, again, primarily in eggs and butter, but some additional products such as packaged egg bites that we launched last year and continue to grow and, and scale. Um, ultimately, having gone public last year as a uh, B Corp and a public benefit corporation as well. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into uh, to a bunch of that stuff here in a little bit. I, I'm, I'm curious though, you know, who, who are your customers? Who are the people that you have a connection with? And, and how do you think about marketing when, you know, you're in, like you said, 16,000 stores and, and, uh, and trying to get the brand name out there and getting people to, to really want and understand Vital Farms? It always starts with the consumer. And the magic happens when what consumers want and need is met by a brand like ours. And so the reality is for now, probably about two decades, there's been this shift in consumers focused on eating real food, knowing where that food is produced and trusting the source of that food. And so um, the consumers has come our way and this was a perfect brand and opportunity to meet exactly those needs. We are all about producing in an ethical way. We focus on our stakeholder model and our focus from a marketing perspective is on transparency. That's how we build trust. Um, and we'll talk about some of the ways that that takes shape, but the focus that this brand has had on building trust and transparency in this ethical food production is exactly where consumers have been headed for, like I said, a, a couple of decades. And I started seeing that in my Nabisco and craft days and was uh, thrilled to be able to come to an organization like Battle Farms that already in front of where this, this wave of consumer demand was headed. And how did the company start? Matt O'Hare uh, and his wife, Catherine, started Vital Farms in, in 2007 with a, a passion for farming. Um, Matt had a number of egg-related businesses in his past and wanted to prove that, that you can scale ethical food production. And so they started on a small plot of land in South Austin with just a, a handful of, of chicks and started to let them roam outside and feed them you know, food beyond feed, let them eat the grasses and bugs and worms and recognize that the output was terrific. You got a richer egg, a better tasting product. And a lot of people believe uh, with, with a different set of nutrients than if a hen is kept caged up or locked up indoors for its entire life. And so that, that um, fortuitousness, that the better you treat the animal, the better output you get as a, as a consumer, um, was a great model to continue to scale and ultimately become what Vital Farms is today. And so, you know, as you mentioned, the consumer uh, kind of mindset on this is is shifting. Obviously, getting this in front of as many people as possible is important. Uh, obviously, you know, you all have some really cool uh, packaging and and a very like you know clear brand image and all of that. Um, you know, pasture raised is is huge on all of your 
eggs, egg cartons, and and on every uh, every single kind of product you have. But how do you think about you know going to market for the product? What are the types of things that you all do on your marketing team? Yeah, Vital Farms is really focused on on our mission and our standards, um, and so that's really baked into everything that we do. We very seriously vet people that join our crew. We make sure that they're close to our mission, that they spend time on the farms, they spend time learning our business model from the get-go so that we can communicate that accurately. Um, And that's really important from a marketing perspective because transparency is so important to us. Everyone needs to be able to speak clearly, articulately, and truthfully about everything that we do in producing the food that we we bring to market. Ian, you mentioned the term pasture-raised, and that is a standard that Matt in the early days um, helped to formulate and, and codify, but ultimately others have followed us into this pasture raised segment and that's fine. It's, it's a way of farming, um, but it is a, a different type of commodity than a free range egg or a uh, cage free egg or a factory egg. Um, the end of the day, what's important to us is, is our business model. And when we talk about ethical food production, that includes not only our standards on the farm, but it includes our stakeholder model. And we, follow, we have followed a stakeholder model based on conscious capitalism since day one, which means that we think about each of our stakeholders in all the big decisions that we make, treating the farmers well, making sure that we're paying attention to the, the land and our communities that, that we operate in, focus on our suppliers and our consumers, as well as our investors, and, and not only on investors like a lot of companies typically are. And so our, our business model um, is really what what is what the brand stands for, and that's how we go to market. It's all about the Vial Farms brand, um, not necessarily about the the pasture raised commodity farming style that that is listed on our packaging. And then, what are some of the strategies and, and marketing initiatives that you all are running? What types of campaigns are, are you all running? Yeah, we spend a lot of time focused again on, on our stakeholders, including our consumers. And in these early days, a lot of that's about building awareness and education about what we do, what makes Vital Farms different, um, and understanding where their food comes from. One way we've done that in the past uh, is through uh, our free campaign. That was uh, our kind of our first foray into advertising where we, we paid some media dollars to, to reach people. And the notion is that a lot of people have heard about cage-free eggs. It's been in the press for a number of years. A lot of companies are making pledges to move to cage-free. Um, but the reality is, Consumers, in fact, 92% of them think that cage-free eggs come from hens that run around outside freely, while the truth is that cage-free eggs are just hens inside a big factory without cages. And so we, we dubbed our effort free instead of cage-free because we wanted to show the truth about what cage-free is, but also, more importantly, the truth about how we farm and how we bring our products to market. And so that was a way for us to I think punch above our weight a little bit, you know, a little bit of humor and using the, the phrase certainly got a, got some some eyes open wide, but helped us to stand out again, especially in the early days when we had, had very low awareness and needed to start making some noise in the marketplace. Do you think of things in terms of like, you know, market saturation or brand awareness within the market or like a target demographic or ideal customer profiles like who are the types of people that you know that you're going after? Yeah, absolutely. From a consumer standpoint, uh, as I was speaking about earlier, there's a general movement towards people wanting to eat real food and know where it comes from and trust that source. And so 
that's very much the mindset that we focus on, less so a demographic, but more about a mindset of people that um, are willing to pay a premium for products that they believe in and trust, that are looking for brands that have values similar to their own, and, and certainly people that are paying attention to the foods that they eat themselves and feed their families. And so those mindsets, those psychographics are really how we identify who we speak to and who we focus on. When you, like you said, you're in 16,000 stores, like what is, what is the primary, you know, way to like, uh, you know, I'd imagine that there's just so much of what you're doing that's, you know, driving brand awareness to who you are and what you do. But when you're in 16,000 stores, obviously, you know, where you are in the store, what types of activations, different sort of things that you're doing there are going to be a key part of it. But having a direct relationship with your consumers is, is often pretty difficult. I'm curious, like, how do you think about that? Yeah, Ian, that's a great, a great point. I, I definitely sometimes envy the folks who have those direct-to-consumer one-on-one relationships and can track progress, um, have more yeah. robust dialogue, and, and have some marketing attribution, frankly. Without that, and we certainly are sold through retailers. And so there's that intermediary. We spend a lot of time thinking about the, the consumer or shopper journey and making sure that on the front end, we are building some awareness of Vital Farms and educating people about what makes us different, but certainly closer to that point of purchase, that point of decision, making sure we've got the right messaging on our packaging at the shelf, um, which is increasingly is, is also a digital shelf. And then following through, not only with terrific product quality, but making sure that Folks have a great experience. Um, one thing that we've always done since day one was insert uh, what we call the Vital Times, a little newsletter inside of our egg cartons. And that helps reinforce what we do. It, it tells stories about our farms and engages people in the Vital Farms business model. And, and frankly, I think drives a lot of the loyalty that we have today. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, uh, great idea. I'd, I'd imagine that, you know, that's probably your your best marketing right there is, you know, getting in front of that many people every day with, uh, with that messaging. Yeah. Our, our packaging has always stood out in the earlier days um, when all the eggs were either in styrofoam or in pulp kind of beige cartons, having our, our black carton of eggs really was a differentiator. More recently, uh, a lot of other brands have, have followed suit and there's more of a clutter on the, on the shelf. And so we have to continuously make sure we are standing out out of that crowd because it is a, a busy and really confusing set of products, especially that egg category. Um, and then beyond the packaging, like you said, Ian, reinforcing our messaging with the Vital Times, which arguably is the most widely distributed or circulated magazine in the country with millions of issues a month and continuing to keep the Vital Farms brand top of mind at present. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, I shop, uh, I was say like 50% of the time at Whole Foods you know, places like that. And I feel like there's so many places now like Whole Foods or, you know, wherever Sprouts or whatever it is, that it's kind of like these places that you can go and shop and you know, you're going to get a certain level of sustainability and organic and like a lot of that sort of stuff. So you can kind of feel pretty confident that you can just kind of walk around and grab anything off the shelf. Uh, and you know, you're going to be, there's kind of that level of quality. And I'm curious, like how many people you think are walking by and seeing Vital Farms and seeing the, you know, the branding and have no idea what it is and are just like, oh, I'll try this or something like that. I'm just, yeah, I'm curious, like if you have any kind of market research that you've done on, on why customers are choosing it. 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, you know, you mentioned whole foods and that's, that is where Vital Farms got its start actually in the, in the Midwest region, ironically, since we're based here in, in Texas, but there's a, there's going to be a different consumer and different shopper in some of those channels. Certainly our awareness at, at whole foods today is much stronger than it is in some other places. And I think largely the whole food shopper understands and, and knows our brand really well. And this is, particularly seeking or finding some of the information that, that we put on, on our package, whether it be the certified humane certification that we have, whether it be under, an understanding of pasture-raised with 108 square feet, or our business model, we, we do include our B Corp um, status on our package as well. Um, so that consumer, that shopper is definitely honed in on that. But as we've grown and expanded into new channels, more mainstream grocery, and even some of the the, the mass merchants, big box stores, we are further behind on that journey. And so we work a little bit harder to, to reach those people. We make sure that when we get into those new stores, especially more mainstream stores, that we do the best we can at shelf as well as digitally to, to reach the shoppers and start to plant the seed and start to embed what Vital Farms in as, as best we could. That said, there's a reality that decisions are made quickly at shelf. And so whether it be our, our shelf messaging or the packaging itself, that's really got to break through and, and encourage people to, to give us a try because we're not, this, these eggs are not cheap relative to the category. Um, our typical you know, SRP on our, our base dozen eggs is $5.99. You can buy some real cheap eggs, sometimes as cheap as 99 cents. And so people really have to have an understanding of, of why they should try us. And um, you know, we do believe that once they do, they see the difference and, and recognize it, but we got to get that initial trial. Do you have any favorite campaigns that you've done over the years? Uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned uh, the no BS uh, campaign and, and we could go into that one if you want, but I'm curious, like how, how you think about creating campaigns and, and what mediums you want to use and what channels you're leveraging. So I've had the, the fortune to work on some really terrific brands over my career so far, Vital Farms, has an absolutely tremendous mission, a great product and something I'm, I'm passionate about. And telling that story through the free campaign has been an absolute joy. It speaks to who we are as a, a brand from a, a tone perspective. It did help to explain functionally to consumers what the difference between cage-free and, and our eggs are, but it also speaks to who we are as a company, being transparent and trustworthy. Um, it has reverberated throughout the organization. And I think all the campaigns that I've worked on through my career that resonate the most with me are the ones that transcend advertising. They might be a great way to communicate to people, but they also communicate to the rest of the organization. Um, another example um, in my career is working on the, the Planters brand. Planters Nuts for many decades was known as a, a, a salty party peanut snack. Um, but the reality is nuts are really healthy and it's a real food that comes from the ground simply roasted with a little bit of salt and oil. And so uh, at the time that I was on the Planters brand, we were repositioning ourselves as, uh, as naturally remarkable. I wanted to focus on those health and, and real food credentials. And the work that we did not only changed the, the consumer-facing communication that we did, but really reinvigorated the organization down to the, you know, every single person that worked on the production floor, to our farmer partners, everyone can resonate with and get excited about positioning planters brand as something that's good for people, good for the earth. And, and so 
that was really exciting for me. And I've always tried to bring the entire organization into the fold and make sure that our brand positioning, our brand ideas um, resonate and drive a lot more change in the organization than just an ad campaign. That's so interesting about uh, about the nut example, because you're totally right that like for years and years and years, it was just kind of not necessarily marketed one way, but you know, things change, being natural, being uh, being from the earth, being organic, all these things that now, you know, were, were not a big deal, you know, 30 years ago became a big deal. And, you know, definitely the rise of like all different sort of nuts. But the, now they're this, you know, they're a much more popular, you know, everyday snack. Obviously, you have rise like paleo and all sorts of different things like that, too. Um, that now it's like it's something that was traditionally one way and, and is now kind of in a... Um, is in a new category, right? It's something that like, you know, people pair with different things or have at different times or bring to their workouts or whatever it is. It's such a, such a good, good reminder that something that always was seen one way can kind of get re recreated in another. Yeah. You know, when I was on the planters brand, the, the debate internally was around, are we a salty snack? Are we competing with Doritos and convenience stores, which, you know, there was some truth to there's salt and is snackable. And it did come in those kind of size packages in those channels, or, you know, based on where consumers are headed, we felt that it was really important to position ourselves as the, the real food with health credentials that we were. But those, those debates happen, I think, you know, certainly in, in the larger companies. And once Kraft and Mondelez split up into two organizations, that planter's brand was run by a different team with a different mindset. And uh, I think, frankly, took a very different approach uh, at that point. Do you focus on building the brand? Do you focus on reducing costs and improving your margins? Those are those are trade-offs that are the real, especially in, in big, big public companies, and don't always, I think, follow suit to what's best for the brand or ultimately for the consumer. Yeah, that that is that is remarkable. So, any any other any other uh, campaigns that um, over the years that you've been particularly interested by? I have had the opportunity to sort of reposition or, or fix a couple of brands. Uh, Planters was one that we had to reposition away from salty snacks towards being a, a healthier real food product. Uh, the other one, maybe more of a challenge was, was Ritz crackers. Crackers are a dying category um, in the face of so many snacking alternatives that have come out over the years. Um, and so the, the choice on the Ritz brand was to look at what assets we had and the nostalgia, the memories of people seeing Ritz crackers put out during the holidays and going visit, visiting their grandparents or meeting. I remember one story from a consumer who talked about meeting her boyfriend's parents for the first time. And there was the spread of Ritz crackers and cheese. That nostalgia um, is really what the Ritz brand owned. And so the work that my team and, and our agency partners uh, created was around the idea of life's rich. There is a rich buttery taste of Ritz. That's the, what the product equity is. But those, that, those rich moments in life were really what drove consumers recall the brand and, and made them want to purchase maybe more than just the one time a year during Thanksgiving. And so that was a lot of fun to reposition something that was sort of heading in the, in the wrong direction at the time. Um, and then the other example I would give, because I think all marketing is about making some really clear choices and, and focusing. Earlier in my career, I worked on the Honey Bunches of Oats cereal brand. And when you work on a product like that, there's always the tension of, well, is it about the health or is it about taste? And too often, brands just look to be in the middle and want to be all things to all people and talk about balance, right? Or we're this and that. 
And the reality is you end up being no things to nobody instead of all things to all people. And so I remember that again, just sort of early in my career, being very thoughtful about the choice we made to say, we're just going to communicate taste. Let the ingredient label, let the name Honey Bunches of Oats speak to the health credentials. But man, this thing is just tasty and delicious. And once you try it, you're going to get hooked. And so the, the campaign idea was called One Spoonful is All It Takes. It was all about just getting yeah. people to try it. And we went on the road and did sampling tours. This was a good while ago. Um, and I, I just, I love that um, even though it was, I, you know, I was just a brand manager at the time, but I love that we made that really clear choice. And there were a lot of people saying, well, wait, why don't you talk about the fiber? Or why don't you talk about the wheat or the health credentials of the flakes? And we kind of really towed the line and said, let's be clear. Our messaging is about getting people to try us because it tastes great. And to this day, I eat honey benches about as is my family. A staple, uh, a staple of the Faison household growing up for sure. The, so I, I have a question about, about marketing some of these types of, of products. Because I think when, you're, when you have a brand like that, that is so popular and beloved by a large percentage of people, the people who you know are going to buy Honey Bunches votes, no matter what the price is, no matter if it's on sale, no matter if they have a coupon. And then you have these, you know, this new uh, demographic of people that you want to get in front of that, you know, might be, might be slightly different or, or the Ritz example is, is another good one where, you know, you have people who buy Ritz, but you want to try to get to a new audience. Our team here at Marketing Trends, big on, big on cheese and crackers. We got a Slack cheese channel, talk about big, big cheese and crackers people. But I think that one of the things that, you know, someone like, like a Ritz uh, or like Honey Bunches of Oats, you have a lot of like, you know, brand affinity with that brand, but you're also looking for other options that are kind of like in that family. And you kind of see some, some brands doing this more recently where it's like kind of uh, the same way, you know, when a company acquires another one and says like, you know, powered by whatever, these kind of companion brands that serve that different kind of demographic of people, but still has like the kind of trust that you would get from, you know, from Ritz Crackers. Like, I don't want Ritz Crackers to change at all because when I want Ritz, that's what I want. But I do, you know, want to see what else, you know, maybe that that brand could come up with. So how do you think about like marketing those type of new products? Yeah, you know, the amount of choice in the marketplace is absolutely staggering and, and gets more, becomes more of a challenge every single day and year. There's always the question of brand extension and extendability and, we faced that. We're looking at that today um, in my current role. Certainly looked at that on brands like Honey Bunches of Oats and Planters and Ritz. And those are really tough choices, frankly. Ability for a brand to move into a new category and segment is very much going to be rooted in, in what they stand for and, and how broad they stand today. And so I think Ritz is a great example of a brand that had equity in, in crackers and so extending into Ritz chips and extending into, um, at the time, we had some, some sandwich-based products that had some of the same core functional product equities made sense, and, and some of those were re relatively successful. But there's only so much room in people's minds, and people make brand associations very quickly. And so for, I'll make it up, planters, even though it's a real, real food, to become a smoothie company or to move into yogurt, even though it's also protein-based, is going to be a, a, a whole different conversation, I think a lot bigger of a stretch because you say the word yogurt and brands like Chobani and Oikos and Dan and Faya are going to come to mind. Do I trust this, this brand or am I just associating this brand with that new product? 
certainly from a vital farms perspective, um, that's a, a big piece of, of the assessments that, that we do as we look to grow this brand. Vital Farms has the ability, I think, to meet people's needs and to disrupt the food industry beyond eggs and butter, which we've been doing today. But it doesn't mean that we can be all things to all people in every category. And so we've got to make those choices, do some consumer vetting, see where there's an interest and extendability, but also where we might cross a line of alienation. At what point is there something that people start to question the core integrity of our, of our brand if we go into that new segment. And so we do, we do a lot of homework um, and have on all the, the brands I've worked on to think about the right approach, the right extendability, or when do you cut bait and just use a new brand to meet those consumer needs. Can you talk a little bit about that traceability program uh, that you all have? Yeah, Vital Farms is all about building our brand, as I've said, based on truth and honesty and, and, and transparency. We would love to bring everyone we could to a farm, um, but the realities of, of travel, especially to some of our rural neighborhoods in the, in the Southern Midwest, just don't make that very practical. And so we've always wanted to show people where their food comes from to build that trust. And frankly, because we're proud of what we do. And one way we're able to do that is through what we call traceability by ultimately putting cameras on all of our farms, roughly 200 partner farms that we work with in our network. And all of those farms have cameras that, that have updated videos. And when you buy a carton of Vital Farms eggs on the end, what's printed on there is not just the expiration date or the, the code date, but also the name of the farm that those eggs came from. We were able to do that because we have the direct relationships to farmers. Most, most brands, most companies in, in our industry buy and sell eggs on the open market as commodities. They may have some of their own farms, they may not, but because all of our eggs come from that network that we have a, that direct relationship with. We were able to trace eggs on, at the dozen level from the farm into our washing facility and out the machine to put that, that uh, stamp on the carton. And so traceability has been, a, I think, a, a terrific example of our desire to be transparent and show people where their, their food comes from, but also enabled by the fact that we have that relationship and we work off of this stakeholder model and have the the direct farmer contracts and relationships that we're proud of. I think that that's been the, the home run for us has been the combination of telling consumers and showing them what they're looking for, but also being able to frankly do it. And we don't think a lot of others, if any, can pull that off. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much, um, you know, in the market right now with, with a lack of transparency that it seems like that being, you know, a key differentiator or something you would want to focus on a lot um, with your marketing. Yeah. Again, people want to, people go to the farmer's market because they have that, they can see the person that grew their food and they can, they can make that association and build that trust for what they're eating. And uh, we can't get all the way there with 16,000 retail locations and 200 farms, but we can certainly do our best to, to bring that connection, that human connection to life. So last year in the, uh, in the Salesforce um, study said that 29% of marketing leaders said they're satisfied with their ability to measure ROI. I'm curious, like, how do you think about ROI? How do you think about, you know, measuring it for your marketing activities? How do you leverage data uh, to, to figure out new opportunities? Yeah, we've been chasing this holy grail of, of marketing ROI and, and attribution for, I guess, as long as marketing has been a thing. And um, like I said earlier, the ability of some brands that are direct to consumer 
even in you know industries like insurance uh, is pretty unique and, and special. We don't have that luxury, you know, in a CPG world where we sell through the retailers. And so measurement certainly is tough, and it certainly is something that we continue to, to pursue. But the good news is there's no shortage of, of information. A lot of it's you know data, whether it be retail sales data or understanding shoppers through through panel data, but also listening, listening to all the emails, the phone calls, the social media comments that we get from consumers. And we aggregate all of that to put, the, put together the best puzzle that we can to understand what is our marketing doing. Some of it's going to be more qualitative, but there's certainly no lack of data to be able to show some movement of a, of a needle over time towards increased household penetration, towards increased velocities off the shelf. And so we spend a lot of time digging into the data to do the best we can to assess our ROI or, or ROAS, but it's, it's certainly not at the fully, full holy grail that we're all looking for. So what's next for Vital Farms? Ian, as you can imagine, I think the Vital Farms brand has a ton of potential to continue to reach more households and continue to disrupt the food industry. Eggs have historically been a commodity and a food that became industrialized, yet we've proven Matt's vision that ethical food production can be scaled. We can take care of the animals and the farmers and the land and be good business partners, and also do it at scale. And so there's no shortage of improvements that we need in our food system and, and categories and places that the Vital Farms brand can go. Anything that surprised you uh, over the last year? I know it's been a, it's been a crazy year for everyone, but uh, anything particularly that, that stood out? We ran a campaign in the heart of COVID last summer, summer of 2020, um, that was truly surprising and heartening. Um, it was the reaction we got to a thank you campaign that we implemented. Uh, what we did was we used our Vital Times newsletter that we pack in all of our egg cartons and turned it into a basically a reply card so that people could share their thanks with our employees at, at what we call Egg Central Station, the folks who pack and wash our eggs, um, as well as our farmers. And the resp- response was absolutely overwhelming. We got about 3,000 consumer responses via email, including hundreds of them, which were handwritten notes, including drawings from kids mailed to us with actual postage stamps. People took the time to do that and send them in. And the fact that thousands of people showed that their showed their concern, showed their appreciation for our frontline workers and our farmers was just a really terrific statement and something we were thrilled to share out. And uh, again, a, a heartening moment during a, a tough time of COVID. Okay, let's get into our lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. And Salesforce has been with us since the very first episode of Marketing Trends, so we love them dearly. Uh, Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Scott, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, is there one marketing campaign that you've seen recently that was not a Vital Farms campaign that you're particularly loving or jealous of or anything like that? I'm a huge fan of Sweetgreen. I have not seen marketing for them, but I know that they do a lot of events, at least when they could, bringing bands to the local neighborhoods. And I love that combination of bringing the, what's important to a local community, including the food from that local environment and region and community um, together. And so while it's not a, an ad campaign necessarily, I, I love the approach that they're taking and the marketing that, that they've built that brand off of. If you could have one person as a guest on a podcast interview, who do you think it would be? 
it has to be Elon Musk these days, especially because he's now my neighbor here in Austin, Texas. So I've got, I've got a lot of questions. Yeah, that's right. In Austin, that's crazy. If you weren't in marketing at all or in business, what do you think you'd be doing? I would hopefully be training to be a professional marathoner because that's my other passion. I just love to run and get out, out in the outdoors. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? I am a classically trained marketer and believe that there is a ton of value in, in the models and traditions of consumer journeys and four Ps and Cs, even though we all like to create new versions of it. That stuff works. It's been around for 70 years for a reason. And so don't forget the fundamentals. Last question. What is one question that you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? What do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's funny. I, I, I love what I do. I found a, I've always been a, a marketing guy, but I found my passion for food and I truly love building food brands. I'm, I'm a mentor in the, the SKU Accelerator here in Austin. And so hopefully someday I'll retire and just get to enjoy life, but maybe with no real responsibilities. But for the next uh, few decades in front of me, I, I truly am doing what I want to do when I grow up. Scott, thanks so much for joining. That's it. That's all we got for today. Uh, everybody should go to vitalfarms.com uh, to check them out. Go get, uh, just try it, right? One spoonful of, of, uh, of some eggs, uh, as, as they say. Try 12, you'll never go back. Uh, and uh, anything else? Any, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? I appreciate you having me. It's about the, the mission. The products happen to be great, but the way we go about it is really what makes Vital Farm special and appreciate the time to be able to talk about it. Thanks, Scott. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.